What's up, nerds? And welcome back to your weekly movie review podcast. That's right, you are locked in and tuned in to the 3FN Podcast. As always, we are coming to you from the 8122 Production Studios at Dragon Master Games. This week, we are going to review the brand new Sylvester Stallone, Jason Statham, 50 Cent, Megan Fox, etc., 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 vehicle known as Expendables 4 for the 3FN Movie Club review. But before we can get there, I am your host, Rich. And the nerds are all here, ladies and gentlemen. First up, the man that after seeing Expendables 4 this past week took not one but two naps because he said, fuck that, I ain't got that kind of energy in my day. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Ron. Well, three and a half naps, but that's besides the point. Oh, well, I missed a couple there. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I forget that I forget that you have that sleep apnea thing where you wake up every occasionally on your yeah, Every own. once in a while. You know, but, so I Well, forget. if I don't, I die. So yeah. Well, you got to start using your machine, Rod. I, keep I use it every night. I, I use it every you. night. You get good night's sleeps that way. I do. I tell you that all the time. <laughs> Anyways, I worry about your health over here. You know what I mean? That's what I'm here for. But you know who else is here? The man that doesn't need an introduction. Yet, he has the longest introduction in all of podcasting. Ladies and gentlemen, I give to you hashtag Big Natty Cool, hashtag Mad Dog Strong Style, hashtag Challenge Accepted unless it involves a Dusty Beaver, hashtag Diesel Malenko, because he's the man of a thousand and four hashtags. He is the leader of the Minnows Gang and is your favorite podcaster's favorite podcaster. He's the man, the myth. And the legend rolled into one jolly old ginger bearded feller. Ladies and gentlemen, I give to you Diesel. I'm calling it now. Expendables 5 featuring Cocaine Bear. I, I mean, so. I hope so. <laughs> That's what this movie was missing. <laughs> Copious amounts of cocaine. If you would have taken the cocaine usage from the Meg 2 and put that in Expendables, it would have explained a lot more. <laughs> However, maybe the writers were on copious amount of cocaine, but we'll get to that later when we talk about that movie in the 3FN Movie Club review. But before we go any further, Ron, how has been your week? Week's been all right. Can't complain too much. Uh, we had a week off from our Wednesday group, so we are starting to the... Well, we're revisiting an old campaign. When, nice. uh, the Trinity of Dragons, or Horde of the Dragon Queen combo there. Uh, we're going to start from the beginning because that one we kind of did at the shop, so we didn't really get through it all because they were regulated. So I have created my new character, and uh, it's going to be a little surprise because I don't think it's going to. It's be. a monk. No, it's not a monk. <laughs> it's not a monk. Trust me. It was me. a monk last time. <laughs> no, it was a it was a half elf paladin last time. Oh, sorry. M- monks my go to. Yes, I will admit that. I, if my character dies, the next character is a monk because it just <laughs> takes me two minutes to make. Just insert random character creation stuff. Boom, 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 but it's not a monk. <laughs> um, but uh, so that's gone well. We went to the movies, which was fun. Uh, Rody, Josh, and I DJed a wedding on Saturday. Nice. Um, it's wedding the, crashers. It was his final one because he's pretty much said he's done. <laughs> so we did that on Saturday, and you know it was an all-day event because it was for uh, a good friend of his. So we, you know, were there from 10 a.m. till 10 p.m. and had to do the ceremony part of things and. It was a long day, yeah. <laughs> but it was this is hurrah. Rudy Josh like, I think I'm done after this one. And I go, I get it. I understand. It's up to you. <laughs> I get it. We're busy. <laughs> and then after that, it's just been chilling. 
All right, Diesel, how's been your week? I actually had a decent week. Work started getting slightly better. We're starting to get used to our new system, so that's been a lot of stress off of my shoulders. And then Saturday, I actually got to go drive down to Williamsport, Pennsylvania to play in a modern RCQ. Uh, I put together Mono Green Tron for all you Magic the Gathering fans out there. The deck seems really good. I probably could have gone 4-2 if I had more experience playing the deck. But I had a really good time. It actually made me like, really enjoy playing Magic again. Uh, for all you Magic players, uh, one ring is busted. Get your use out of it before they ban it, because that card is absolutely bonkers. I believe it. <laughs> there you go. Well, uh, I had a kind of a laid-back weekend, for, per se. I finally did some stuff with the family. Had a nice little family day on Saturday. And then Sunday, watched some football and took care of a bunch of work around the house. I've just been super busy between work and home. And uh, we were just discussing earlier, two weeks from Wednesday, I leave for New York City for Com New York Comic Con, uh, where I'm going to uh, be press uh, with Ken M for the ODPH podcast and also doing some work for Nerd Initiative while we're down there as well. So I had a lot going on and get catching up. And it's just been crazy. And uh, it was, I can't say relaxing per se, I did have a moment at, at Golden Corral. Like, you know, I have weird anxiety attacks. And I'm going to throw this out there. I, I'm going to throw myself under the bus because maybe somebody else deals with this too. I realized that the lady never asked me. If they, they didn't offer like to put a tip on the card. And we know I don't put cash, yeah. or cash on me. So I had a little mini kind of like anxiousness because I didn't have money to tip. Thankfully, my mom did have money in her car that she remembered. So we had money to tip. Nice. But at first, it made me a little... Because I'm, I'm a big on tipping people. Yeah. And I'm just kind of like, so I almost wasn't going to eat. I was very frustrated with, with myself. Uh, so those, those are kind of weird little anxious things. So I'll give you a peek behind the curtain. I have little ang anxious things that happen to me at certain times. So nice. Thankfully, my wife understands that and kind of takes care of that. But nice. It was it was a little it was a little Harry Carey there for a minute. Harry Carey. But uh, outside of that, you know, I had a good weekend and I'm looking forward to the weeks and everything else building up. And hopefully, everybody listening to us out there has had a great week and has a great week upcoming as well. Before we get to jump into the fun parts of the show, though, we got to take care of some business. So it's time for some shameless opening plugs. And of course, if you would like to learn anything at all about the 3FN Podcast, it's simple. Go over to 3FNPodcast.com. There you will find all of our social media links. You will find the T Public link. You will find the link to Patreon. Patreon.com slash 3FN Podcast. For as little as $1 a month, you get a ton of extra bonus content and help support everything we do here. Also, while you're there, check out the spots for the shows. The 3FN Podcast has a spot. 607 TWS, the wrestling show that I do with Ken M each and every week. Uh, over on wherever you get great podcasts by certain sitting 607 TWS, there's a spot there for it too. Also, friends of the show like the ODPH. I got to add more stuff because, of course, as you know, every Wednesday night at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time over on the Nerd Initiative YouTube channel, myself and Ken M, and sometimes joined by guests, we do Wrestling Night Live, talking all AEW and WE, so come and chat with us. If you don't want to chat with us live, go ahead and watch that replay. It's a lot of fun. Hit that subscribe button for the Nerd Initiative YouTube channel, as well as that thumbs up and bell icon, because that helps. And speaking of helps, if you want to do something for our show that's absolutely free, make sure you rate and subscribe to our show, the 3FN Podcast, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Next up, we want to give a big thank you, and there's a section on the website for the musical directory so the bands that let us use their music so we don't get hit with those dreaded DMCAs. Big shout-outs to our friends Shout at the Robots, whose song Fail Better is the theme song you hear each and every week here on the 3FN Podcast. 
for uh, all those bands. Make sure you support them on YouTube Music, Spotify, and Bandcamp. And last but not least, there's the sponsor section. Check out our great local sponsors who help us bring these shows to you commercial free. Of course, we have our good friends Rex to Rise Auto Detailing. We have our good friends over at W Energy Drink. We have our good friends at Sci-Fi Horror Fest. And most important, our number one sponsor, the fine folks at Dragon Master Games for all your Magic the Gathering and gaming needs. Visit them on the World Wide Web. DragonMasterGames.com And of course, if you forgot anything that I said right there, just visit 3FNPodcast.com because it has your hookups on all of those links and much, much more. Guys, guess what time it is? It's time to finally jump into the fun parts of the show and let's kick off the show the right way. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Welcome to Diesel's movie, Triple Stuff. We have a very, very slow week in the box office. Staying in the top five, though, with $3.2 million Barbie for its 10th week. Hey, whatever. Still making something. Yeah. And it's still in the top five. That's yeah. how slow the box office truly is. The Equalizer 3 comes in at number four with $4.7 million. Okay. A Haunting in Venice for its second week pulls in another $6.3 million. <laughs> e. Expendables 4 comes in debuting at number two with $8.3 million. <laughs> And then coming in at number one spot again, The Nun 2 with $8.4 million for its third week. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't have went to see that. Remember when Barbie Barbenheimer was like dominating the box office yeah. and like $300 million in the opening week with the two of those movies? That was like, I think that was less than $30 million for all those movies. Yeah, I didn't like, do the math in my head, but I'm pretty sure it's less than $30 million. Yeah, yeah it was a rough weekend for uh, movie theaters. I, uh, well, Diesel, is it going to get better this week in the movie theaters? All right. This week, I think we're going to see a jump in attendance because coming out this week, we have Paw Patrol, the mighty movie. Can't wait. That's going to be a good kid flick there yep. to take kids to. Uh, Dumb Money, starring Paul Dano, also comes out this week. That, of course, is the movie about the GameStop situation. Yeah. I, I, I want to see that. That's got some big-time actors yeah. in it. Uh, also coming out this week, The Creator. Yeah, it's a questionable movie. I definitely want to see it. I know I'm going to make time to go see it. We're not reviewing it, but I'm going to make time to go see yeah. it. I'm just in the air whether, you know, it was one of those movies that during the strike, I think it really hurt this movie because with nobody able to do press, we still don't, I mean, we know kind of what the movie's about, but we truly don't know what the movie's about. And then the big one this week, Saw X. That's right. It's returning. I know I'm pumped for it. Ron is pumped for it. And guess what? Next week, we're kicking off the spooky month of October with Saw X as your 3FN movie club review. Uh, Diesel, how about the week after that? You got anything coming up or no? On uh, October 6th, we got the one big movie coming out, and I apologize. I don't remember what the second part of the word is, but The Exorcist. The Uh, Exorcist Believer. (laughs) Apparently, when I screenshotted it, one of the things covered that up. (laughs) Yes, Exorcist Believer, which will be our 3FN Movie Club review for that week. I'm on the fence about that, as well as Ron, because... I'm sorry. I was not a big fan of what uh, David Gordon Green and Danny McBride did with the Halloween franchise, especially Halloween Ends. And it looks like they're got they're slated for a trilogy of Exorcist movies. However, I will be honest, they must not have the true faith 
of the of, of Viacom, who is the people who are putting this movie out, or Paramount, I should say, as the movie uh, as the actual movie studio, because they're saying, hey, after the first one, we'll we'll see and reevaluate. <laughs> I'm assuming the first one's going to make money though, just because people are going to be interested to go see it. So I think they're going to get at least their second one. But I just, I'm just so fucking leery, man. And even watching the trailers, like the only parts that I liked were like callbacks to the original. So yeah. it kind of reminds me of Halloween 2018, where it was just a big callback to the original movie, and then like then they went on their own way. Yeah, and I don't know if I, I we'll find out. Ron, what, we give everything a chance. Yeah, I mean, we'll just see still how it goes. super nervous about it. I'm, I'm all, super stoked for I saw X. Super nervous. Oh, dude, about I that. I'm so in for that. All I know is the trailer for the Exorcist Believer looked a lot like Facebook to me. Uh, I, <laughs> I also I also want to point out that Diesel does not watch trailers even. Like if he's not only just scared of like horror films, but he does not watch the trailers. And I remembered kind of what we were joking about. He stopped watching the Saw X trailer and I was like so I was messing with him and I was like, Oh man, we could make our own little Saw spin off with Diesel. Be like, Diesel, do you want to play a game? And I was like, All we have to do is put the stuffed animals in front of the in front of something. Nothing even that terrible. But he, he's not a fan. Or no, no. The second part he came up with is, I was like, fuck the stuffed animals. We'll send him in to build a bear. And he's got to dig the key out of the heart of the bear. And I'm like, and somebody's like, is it somebody in a, in a bear suit? I'm like, no, no, no. It's just a stuffed bear. But, but trust me, Diesel thinks that uh, it's evil. That build a bear is evil. You just said a Teddy Ruxpin on a little bicycle and I have the tape recording going. Fuck. It's over. It's okay. We like, I, I, I just pick it at him, but it was funny because we were having, a, we were guffawing at a theater. I'm sure that the people in front of us, uh, yeah, well, yeah, they were a little, yeah, well, the, the, the people in front of us enjoyed themselves during the movie. I just, I just want to point that out. They, they provided me with entertainment. So, but I'm sure we provided them with some entertainment when we were guffawing. Uh, anyways, Moving on, now that we've gotten the box office stuff out of the way, Diesel, it's time for that signature move. What is this week's top three? This week's top three is your top three favorite action film villains. Awesome. So at my number three spot, and I know that we did this this past year for an anniversary show, and that, of course, would be Die Hard and Hans Gruber. You know what my favorite part about Hans Gruber is? That portion of the movie where he pretends to be a hostage. Yes. yes. For whatever reason, that always makes me chuckle. Because he does such a convincing, you you know, uh, American accent, it's, it's it's amazing. When he's just like, "No, don't shoot me! No, are you one of them?" So good. I I, I enjoy Hans Gruber. Uh, my number two spot, and I was going to be a smartass, honestly, and say uh, the Undertaker from Suburban Commando, but I won't do it. I won't do it. That popped in my head too. <laughs> but I do want to say this, and this is a shout out to our good friends over at the Pint. And if you don't listen to the Pint podcast, they they do movie reviews. If you like us, I'm sure you'll like them as well. And uh, they just did. They're doing September. So all their movies are from Johnny Depp movies. Okay. And they just did one on uh, the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie, of course, The Curse of the Black Pearl. Yep. And I always, and I, I have to agree with them, I always thought that Barbosa is an amazing villain. And I don't think it's the do. I think it's a very great performance. And that's going to be my number two and my number one villain of all time. And this isn't just saying that, you know, there's plenty of villains in action movies. Over the years, we've had a ton of them. But when I go back in my mind and I go, what sticks out? The first thing that jumped in when you gave this to me, it was the T1000 uh, T from Terminator 2. True. Listen, Robert Patrick had me scared shitless for <laughs> years. Like, just seeing him in other movies. Remember when he does the cameo in fucking Wayne's World 2? Yeah. yeah. And he's just like... Have you seen this boy? No! <laughs> it's so good. I, I, I've just always loved it. So yeah. that is my number one villain in an action flick. Ron, what is your top three? Um, 
the only good part of Fast X is for number three, Dante Reyes. Uh, you know, Jason Momoa. It, it was great. It was great. It, ma- it made the whole movie for bearable. Well, <laughs> and, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> yeah, it, it, eh, you know. Uh, okay, I'm going to probably butcher this name, but from the movie Nobody, Yolan Kolnoskivis. <laughs> um, Nobody was a little action movie with a... a, a Bob oh. Odenkirk. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And it, it, it was a hell of a movie. Like, I watched it late. I just was one night, and I was on... In, yep. it, was, it was one of those little movies. You can get it somewhere, I, whatever streaming site for free. Watch it. Enjoy it. I enjoyed it once. And then I'm going with uh, Norman Streenford from Leon and the Professional. Gary Oldman's character. <laughs> Everybody! Everybody! He was great. Dude, <laughs> I, I had to get a Gary Oldman yep. <laughs> villain in this, and I wasn't going to go Dracula, so I went with the... Cause, Leon the Professional was one of my favorite movies growing up, and yeah. he's just amazing in that movie. And just the dirty cop that's just straight up dirty, and you just don't, you, you're just <sighs> like, oh, okay, <laughs> over the top, but over the top oh, in the best yeah. way. Yep, yep. I can agree with that, Diesel. What's your top three? All right, we're gonna do a villain from a little movie we just watched not too long ago as well. Eddie Arcadian from The Last Dragon. Oh, Cole <laughs> fucking Kane. Oh yeah, that was a great watch along. By the way. <laughs> Uh, coming in at number two, we are going with Hans Landa from Inglorious Bastards. Oh, oh nice. Yeah, definitely. Nice. That's a real good one. And then number one, I th- probably my all-time favorite villain, Sergeant Barnes from Platoon. Okay. All right. I can see that. <laughs> I like it. I love it. Great list. Hopefully, if you guys would like to add to that list, hit us up on those social medias. Find those at 3FNPodcast.com. We always like to hear from you. But now that we have finished up with Diesel's movie triple stuff, it is time to jump right on into. mentioned in the open we saw the brand new film the expendables 4 and we're going to give you that full review right now but before we do let's lay some ground rules down for anybody who may have forgotten or or for anybody who's listening for the first time and if you're listening for the first time thank you for giving us a chance hopefully you'll listen to some older episodes and stay with us because we have a lot of fun here but if you need a reminding because it's been a while since we've done a new movie we do it this a little differently than when we do older films because we break it into two halves a spoiler free half and a spoiler full half and it is separated by a break so basically before the break what you're going to get is we are going to give you the stats of the movie diesel will give you the spoiler free synopsis from his own brain then we are going to give you this you know who's in the movie who made the movie who's the stars all that happy jazz before giving you a thumbs up thumbs in the middle or thumbs down spoiler free recommendation then we will take a break. When we come back, we will give you one more time to uh, you know to know that we're going into the spoiler zone, to be fair. And then we will give you our full spoiler review, followed by playing the game to find out all of the scores from around the internet before finally giving you our scores for The Expendables 4. So, with that being said, gentlemen, are you ready to dive in to the spoiler-free portion of the review? Oh, yeah. oh yeah, let's go. All right, so Diesel, now that you're ready, I believe. Man, I got a story to tell. 
a ragtag group of mercenaries has an unsuccessful venture and without giving any spoilers must regroup to avenge what happened on their unsuccessful venture. Oh, well, tying into the past, I would say. Because everything goes back to the past. Well, with that, Expendables 4 came out on September 22nd of 2023, so just this past week, uh, with a runtime of 103 minutes. Budget for the movie was an estimated $100 million. And as, by the way, as you heard what Diesel said earlier, this movie only made $8.3 million domestically. And be- they did not have a global opening yet, so it only made $8.3 worldwide as well. Hopefully uh, that picks up a little bit because they lost a lot of money. Oh, could this be the end of the franchise? <laughs> it it might have been the end of the franchise. And now that we know the stats, it's time to find out. Who made this thing? And, of course, the director for this film was Scott. Wow. Uh, first movie that he directed was Act of Valor in 2012. And then he would direct Need for Speed, you know, the movie adaptation of that. And uh, this past year, Hidden Strike. Okay. Next up, uh, the screenwriters. Now, this could be a part of the reason why it was a little all over the place because there was four of them. First up, doing screenplay and story, Kurt Wimmer, who is probably the most known name on this list. First movie he was a screenwriter for, Double Trouble in 1992. Uh, Then you're going to hit, here's the all-star lineup. The Thomas Crown Affair, Equilibrium, The Recruit, Ultraviolet, Law-Abiding Citizen. And then we get into Salt. Eh? And then he did a bunch of remakes. Total Recall, Point Break, and The Children of the Corn remake as well. (laughs) <laughs> Very mixed reactions. This was like his first venture back into a, a, well, it's a franchise movie, but still not a remake. Yeah. Next up, Tad Daghart. He also did a screenplay and story for this. Black Lotus in 2023 was his first movie he wrote. So this yeah. is the only second movie he wrote. Max Adams was up next just doing the screenplay. Uh, Heist in 2015 was the first movie. And then he did a couple of those. You know how they've been trying to bang out a bunch of Bruce Willis films? Yeah. He did two of those. Extraction and Precious Cargo is the two of them he wrote. And last but not least, and this is going to explain a lot for you, Diesel. Spencer Cohen did the story for this. He's the only one credited for the story. Extinction in 2018 was the first movie he ever wrote. Second movie, Moonfall. should have recognized it's, the shades of moonfall it, it starts to make sense now huh? uh next up we're going to talk about the director of photography and that would be tim maurice jones uh first movie uh that he was a dp on a feast at midnight in 1994 diesel get ready to uh jizz in your pants because he was also the dp for lock stock and two smoking barrels okay snatch kick-ass two and uh, most recently the 355 remember that was kind of the charlie angels yep. without being charlie's angels Next up, the composer of this film, who only did other one other movie, other than he's done some TV and stuff, was Goulmieu Rossel. I'm 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 terrible with French pronunciation. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Tomorrow is today is the only other movie he did in 2006. Did a lot of French stuff though, so uh, that's why I cannot pronounce his name because uh, I'm not uh, you know I'm not fluent in the French, you know. And uh, don't ask Diesel to say anything in French because he only knows one phrase and we don't even know if it's right. Just sweet and la There you go. And if I you understood that, if you understood that, you know, maybe he's right, maybe he's wrong. Maybe he's <laughs> saying a whole lot of shit that we shouldn't be saying on the air. Who's that, Papa? <laughs> I am the pineapple. He's got two. He's got two <laughs> statements, folks. Well, now that we found out who made the movie, it's time to find out who starred in it. For the love of God, will someone please punch me in the face so I can see some scars? 
And usually we do a deep dive on a few of these actors, but in the interest of saving time, <laughs> we're just going to go through an abbreviated one for all of them because I'm sure you know all of these names. Uh, there's a lot of you know extra people in the movie that aren't going to get a full-on shout-out, but there's a lot of people we know. And let's start off with the man, the myth, the legend himself, who is the reason why this series is even a thing, and that is playing the role of Barney, Sylvester Stallone, the Italian stallion himself. You know him as Rocky, Rambo, uh, Copland, uh, you name it. You If you've never heard of Sylvester Stallone or never seen Stallone in anything, I don't know why you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> if you need an entry into Sylvester Stallone, I recommend Grudge Match. <laughs> oh. I mean, actually, if you really want a really good movie, I think probably his best movie, Copland. Yeah. Bar none. He can't actually act. Yeah. Giving credit completely to him. I mean, he also can write. He wrote Rocky. <laughs> With that being said, uh, the direct co-star in this film would be Jason Statham playing Christmas. I love how he's Christmas. Of course, we know Jason Statham from, you know, technically he came back with the DP and him. I both have a lot yep. in common. Uh, Lock, Stock, is Two Smoking Barrel, Snatch, uh, of course, the Transporter movies. Uh, what else did he do? Oh, Crank. Yep. The Crank movies. Fast and the Furious. How and can then, we forget that we made Diesel watch that again? In the name of the king. The yeah. name oh, of yeah. the king. You know what's really Dungeon weird? Dungeon Seed Story. I want to point this out. It's, you know what's really weird? He's done some, like, really great yeah. acting movies, and then he's done these action movies on the side. I think he makes his big nut over here and then he does the indies yeah. over there and you gotta love him I, I love me some jason statham sir uh next on returning to because we're gonna do all the returning guys first we gotta talk about gunner and of course that is the legendary dolph lundgren <laughs> also you remember him uh from of course rambo or not rambo sorry why i say rambo rocky where he plays ivan drago and of course you remember him from the creed movie where he returned as ivan drago and on top of that you remember him as he-man for masters of the universe uh, or maybe maybe you're trying movie. to put that out of your mind i gotta i gotta look up ron when that movie is hitting its uh, uh anniversary its anniversary so we can re-watch that um we'll figure it out we can do that off air because we're gonna be sitting here all day trying to figure it out it's definitely a canon film gotta love it uh, of course he's been in a ton of other he was in the first punisher, punisher movie i was gonna say he played the punisher in the first punisher movie yeah so you gotta you gotta throw it out to dolph lundgren uh also making a return playing uh toll road randy couture <laughs> you mostly remember him as a one of the greatest heavyweights in ufc history and or mma history period but uh you also remember some 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 great movies as the scorpion king <laughs> amongst other things i'm not going to list off the expendables one through three the expendables <laughs> one through three you know it's 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 yeah we're not going to go too far into his uh we got some newcomers though are you ready to talk about some newcomers playing easy day 50 cent y'all uh 50 cent man he's been in a couple like smaller films no. he, he, I, you mostly remember him for being in the club <laughs> I, I was gonna say something witty there but i i'm just gonna leave it at that 50 cent halftime shows Take me down to the candy shop. Candy shop. <laughs> Let me lick the lollipop. He tried to lick the lollipop. You know who I wouldn't mind licking my lollipop? That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Playing Gina, Megan Fox. Of course, Transformers movies. Where Ron first learned about her. On top of that, of course, Jennifer's Body, which of course has had a nice little uh, cult following for yep. a while. Uh, amongst a t million other things, Megan Fox. Of course, most recently we all know she's starring in some probably home videos with the uh, one and only Machine Gun Kelly. Uh, I don't know how you should feel about that, but hey, it's Megan Fox, and she looked awesome in this movie because she was wearing a lot of leather and tight stuff and uh, reminded me why uh, my, uh, my, my penis gets hard. She did free the nipple as well. She did. We did get to see that. Uh, right at the end, too. 
you know what I was a big fan of? Playing Dasha in this movie, Tony Ja. Yeah. Tony Ja. It's been honestly, it's been a minute since I saw Tony Ja. Of course, I remember him because we talked about liking uh, kung fu movies, the Umbak movies. Okay. Uh, and of course, he was also in The Protector. Uh, if you're a big fan of like martial arts films, you know, you're going to know Tony John. He was really good in this. Yes. I like I like the role he played. This he kind of it was almost comedic at times, and it it fit. I liked yeah. it. Uh, another newcomer to the movie, and we I'm surprised we didn't see him because he's tied so into Sylvester Stallone characters, as we find out, is uh, Marsh, played by would you say the legendary Andy Garcia? <laughs> Uh, legendary yeah I would give him a legendary status you you remember him from the ocean movies and of course you remember him as everybody's favorite kissing cousin in the godfather part three <laughs> tony zaza as he uh with it, it's great come on yeah. you gotta love you some andy garcia and last but not least, I want to give a huge shout out because I think the person truly, truly deserves it. And I was unaware of this person before, and I know I'm going to butcher the name, so I'm sorry. Aiko Yuas, who played Rama, he was the pretty much the main villain until you you know until the twist. We won't give that away here, the spoiler free portion. Uh, but uh, he was in the Raid movies and uh, Mile Twenty Two Stuber. So I was just checking out some of the stuff, and I, I would definitely be interested in seeing more of him. I thought he was very yeah, he was good villain great. in this film. Well, with that, gentlemen, we have finally come to this portion where we're going to give our thumbs up, thumbs in the middle, or thumbs down, spoiler-free, remind you, spoiler-free, recommendation for The Expendables 4. Ron, we'll start with you. What is your spoiler-free recommendation, and with a spoiler-free why? Uh, thumbs in the middle? Um probably wait to watch it for free. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's about all I can say right now. Diesel? I begrudgingly am giving it slightly more than thumbs in the middle. We're not quite thumbs up. We're like, we're like right about like 25% there. Thumbs in the middle. It's a fun action movie. There are some really good kills and I did have a good time in watching it. It was an enjoyable watch. Spoiler free. That's all you got. Yeah, that's all I got. It was entertaining. Don't spoil the movie yet. Uh, with that being said, I'm also kind of I'm with I'm with uh, everybody as a whole. I'm in thumbs in the middle, but when I'm with Diesel, it's a little more towards the up. I had a lot of fun in this movie. <laughs> this was a mindless 19. It reminded me of a mindless 1980s action yes. film, and only with better action than a lot of those movies. We're looking at you, Nowhere to Run with Jean Claude Van Damme. Unfortunately, me and Ron had to watch that this year. Not very good. Bad choices were made for a review. Uh, with that being said, I think that, uh, yeah, this is definitely one of those fun movies. Is it a good movie? You'll have to wait and find out in the second half of the show. Because we are going to take a break. When we come back from this break, we are going to jump into the full spoiler review of The Expendables 4. Hey, this is kind of Padawan J, Coach Duffy from the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour podcast, and you're listening to the Three Fat Nerds podcast. You're falling apart, and you know it. You try and try to hide it, but you show it. I need you to know I felt it too, and I'm still trying to figure it out, just like you. Just like you. Just like you. See, what we have here is a matter of 
humiliation and human kindness. My friend here loves his ring for all of his stupid reasons. And it would be very nice and civilized if you gents would understand that principle. Since you choose to be, uh... Barney, what's the word? Obstinate. Too long. Dumbbells. Dumbbells. You leave me no other choice. Dinky. That's right. That is a clip from The Expendables 4 to bring us back from the break here on the 3FN Movie Club Review. So, ladies and gentlemen, with that, we are in the spoiler full portion of the show. We are going to, in a minute, play the spoiler alert. After that, you have been warned for the final time. So, if you have not seen 2023's Expendables 4 and you do not want the movie spoiled, this is time for you to stop the podcast. Go see the film, and when you come back from seeing the film, listen to what we thought about it. However, if you don't care about the movie being spoiled, or you've already seen it, it is now time for us to jump in, because we're entering the spoiler zone right about... That's right. Spoilers are on the table. So as you guys know, we do not go through the whole movie, but we will do the skeleton portion of the film as long as uh, Ron can remember any part of it. <laughs> I just had to throw you under no, the bus a little bit. That's but that, that's that, that's how you know this movie. You know, maybe that is a clue to what Ron's going to give this movie. I ain't going to lie. I had yesterday had to figure out what movie I had to watch for this podcast today and forgot that we went to saw this movie. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but with that, uh, before we get started, I always like to throw out the uh, the first part of like the technical stuff. And I got to be honest with you, I hate CG blood in a lot of movies. But they did a good job of this movie with the CG blood and violence. I think because they went over the top is why it worked out so good. So the CG blood and violence was good, but the green screening was horrible. Oh yeah, I mean <laughs> we'll get to that in likes and dislikes. But I was just going to kind of go over with like so the shooting of the film. Hey, we'll talk about that. It, it wasn't great. It wasn't bad. There was some times better. Obviously, Diesel just pointed it out. Uh, the soundtrack was was pretty fun. Yeah, Nothing fun. super, super memorable. I mean, they did play some uh, in the club for 50 Cent being in the movie, so that was kind of fun. Uh, and then on top of that, I, I, the costuming and stuff, I mean, let's be honest, it's an Expendables film. It's not like it's like a period piece or anything. So there's all the technicalities. Uh, it's kind of a mixed bag, if you will. So now let's just go through the skeleton of the movie to carry us on. So the Expendables, it kind of opens hot, man. We get to go in, uh, you know, to one of Momar Gaddafi's former warehouses where there's a general in charge and he's spending time with his family. And then they get a visit from our villain of this film and his group. So Rama and his, his crew invade this palace and they like kind of eliminate a lot of people. Yeah, so this general who's, you know, hunkered down at this old chemical plant with his, you know, brigade, platoon, whatever he's got, they have no perimeter set up. Oh, no. Because there is a complete shock when trucks just start riding in and all that. But we do have the the reveal of how ruthless Ramat is. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I wonder, well, it gets to it later because we cut away from this to actually go and see uh, Sylvester Stallone fixing up his motorcycle to go on a ride. And by the way, those tires looked really weird. On oh, the, <laughs> they were the thick Batman uh, tires. Yeah. So he, he goes on the ride and he goes to Christmas's house. And when he goes to Christmas's house, Christmas and Gina, who are together, have a little scuffle in a fight. Uh, so not physical, just verbal. And so they leave together because she calls both of them Neanderthals and stupid. 
And uh, what what is the whole reason for them for for Stallone's Barney coming to get Christmas? Ron, do you remember? Because he has to get his ring back. So yes, the night before, Barney got a little too wasted at the biker bar, and in a thumb wrestling match. You mean arm wrestling? No, no, no. Thumb wrestling. <laughs> thumb wrestling match. And by the way, if you didn't notice the rest of the movie, Stallone's thumb is in a brace. Yeah. So in a thumb wrestling match, he lost to the vicious Jumbo Shrimp. <laughs> so when they go in the bar, we'll get to it in a minute. You got to heard the clip at the beginning, but you didn't hear the full clip. So when they go into the bar, you know, Barney asked for it back and they said, no, it's going to stay on this uh, dildo that's behind the bar. Yeah, this double dildo that's uh, brown. Yes, so they've got the ring. They got his skull ring on that. Is like, and so he's very upset about it. And uh, Christmas is like, oh, you need my help getting back. He's like, yeah, my back is hurt. So he goes, all right. So he goes over to these guys, these big guys, and goes, hey, listen, give me my friend's back. And he's like, who's Jumbo Shrimp? And they look, and it's this real tiny guy. And he's like, are you kidding me? So he starts making the jokes. Yeah, he starts making like pipsqueak jokes and all that. And of course, Jumbo Shrimp's like, you're going to regret that. He's like, no. And then you get the scene that we saw there. He gives them this final speech before he uses his brass knuckle to beat the hell out of all of them with the exception of one guy that uh, Barney backdrops over the bar. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously his back is just fine. Yeah, it was a modern miracle. And so he gets his ring back and then they carry on and now the Expendables are going to this plant. So now when the Expendables get there, we pick up from where we left off and that's where we find out that uh, Rama is a real evil prick because what happens, Diesel? So Rama is ruthless. He he needs the safe code so he can get the thermo detonators, which the general has access to. And he straight up comes in with General's son and his dead wife, and puts the gun to the kid's head. And hey, what's the code? And it finally breaks the general. The general gives up the codes, and boom, headshot to the kid. Yeah, he <laughs> you're no longer kid. needed. He eventually kills the general too, but hey, <laughs> he kills the kid first. Craziness. And so the Expendables come, and they kind of botch the plan. And in the process, the plane gets shot down, and Barney dies. We get to see Barney's charred body with his ring on the finger. Barney dies, and in, instead of letting letting the sacrifice happen for the good of the mission, uh, Christmas diverts his attention away from catching Ramit to try to save Barney as he goes down to no avail. Yep. So now we've gotten the sadness of Barney passing away. Now Christmas is kicked out of the Expendables because the guy in charge of the Expendables now is Marsh, played by Andy Garcia. And the new in charge is Gina, the ex-girlfriend now of Christmas. Yep. And so Christmas leaves and, and he's disgruntled. But you know what? He never says never. He never gives up. So what does he do? He breaks into his ex-girlfriend's house. They have a little Mr. and Mrs. Uh, Smith fight scene, which you saw in the trailers, which leads to some good hardcore American sex and afterwards he says hey I can't go with you but take my knife and kill that bastard with it well was that a great gift Ron or no it was such a great gift because he put a tracker on it that's right that's Christmas a, makings of a healthy relationship Christmas puts a tracker on it so he knows where the expendables are going so he can go help out because he really wants to kill Rama himself so as they uh, take off, they go in two different directions. We get the Expendables on their new plane. Everybody's uh, kind of there. Still sad for the loss of Barney, but hey, we're going for revenge. And on the other end of it, you have Christmas, who has to make a stop through Thailand because he's looking for uh, Dasha. And because and, 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 Barney talked about how that was one of the greatest killers he's ever seen. Yeah. And he's a member of the Expendables. And so he gets to this boatyard. He's nowhere to be found. 
But he ends up getting in a fight when he tries to take the Expendables boat with this guy on the uh, dock who seemed to be really prevalent. And once he finds out that Barney's dead, goes, oh, well, that used to be me. So we find out that Tony Jaws' character used to be this badass killer. And I mean, they talk about it on the boat, but Tony Jaws like, listen, I can't come with you because if I come with you, I don't know if I could ever bottle up that killer again. Yes. Because once you kill a man and then you kill another man and then you kill another man, it just becomes normal and it doesn't affect you anymore. So basically Christmas gets on this ship because he's read this tracker to the ship. But before Christmas gets on the ship, what happens to our expendable fans or friends on that same ship? Diesel. So they get there. They see nobody on the ship. It's a goddamn ghost ship. And then all of a sudden, bam, they're ambushed and they are taken down to a makeshift brigade. I love how we make this sound even better than what it really was. <laughs> it was so bad. At one point in Juncture, Randy Couture pisses on some kind of latch to make it open up. The bilge, because the bilge has to get wet, so it opens up, you know. And there was a couple good golden showers jokes, so I will give them that. Well, yes, because in this movie, uh, Jacob Sipo plays Galan. And uh, Galan is, is a talker. And earlier in the uh, earlier when we did the first mission, he's talking about if anybody's had a golden shower, it's amazing. It's when they, the girl just squats over you and she just lets you have it. And he's and, and we're all laughing because Diesel's sitting next to us with his golden shower tattoo. Let's just throw that out there. And uh, we're all just having a having a good time laughing at this. So it, there's a callback to it because when the thing opens up, Galan's the first to offer to go through. And, of course, pee drips out of him. And all of a sudden, I do believe it was Dolph Lundgren that goes, he really does like golden showers. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Dolph Lundgren wearing the worst hair piece of all time during this movie. Kind of epic. And also, he can't shoot when he's not drunk. And he's a, he's been alcohol-free for five years. Yep. So he's sober now. And he's not <laughs> quite the marksman he used to be. Nope. I will give this, though. It's funny because once, you know, Statham gets on the boat. Or Christmas, sorry. Gets on the ship. And he starts hunting them down. He starts killing people, finds out where they are after these huge fights and him getting around. And he gets to the point where he should have been finding them, but they're no longer there because they've already escaped out of this hatch. In the meantime, Dasha comes and saves his life at one point juncture. We find out why he's the baddest motherfucker on the planet as he slaughters no less than 30 people with his knives. <laughs> yes, his <laughs> knives. Guys with guns and he's just murking them. Yeah. Yeah. Dasha comes out, you know, he, he he was towed behind the bow, and he was like, this is as far as I can go. But then he sees that, you know, the Expendables are in trouble, and he unleashes Dasha. And so eventually it looks like uh, the Expendables are going to get it because they're being moved somewhere else. And then we get some double tap action as Christmas and Dasha save the day. And now the team is back together. So now they have to figure out, hey, how does everybody know we're moving? They know we're moving because there's got to be a mole. Which one of us is the mole? Which one of us is working for Ocelot? Because we find out this mastermind, criminal mastermind, Ocelot, who Barney's been hunting for years, including uh, his first failed mission, was because of this mastermind. We find out that Ocelot is behind this thing. So Ramat's not the head guy. He's just the right-hand man of this Ocelot. So they got to be known. In the meantime, Marsh has gotten taken captive because they need to release a prisoner. And it starts to come together because that prisoner gets to the ship. And as they're making the prisoner swap between him and Marsh, what happens, Ron? Uh, the prisoner is the only one that knows who Ocelot is. So he looks at Marsh and realizes who Ocelot is and went, oh, shit, he's in front of me. Because 
Plot twist, Marsh is Ocelot. And Marsh, as Ocelot, murders the guy who knows who he is because he fucked him over. And it was all this big way to get that dude out of hiding to kill him. And also, he's trying to start a nuclear war between the United States and Russia because they changed all the flags on the ship to American flags, and they're going to detonate a nuke in Russian waters. And made it a very poor-looking aircraft carrier with, like, cardboard. Yeah, it was weird. So we get to the final battle scene. Of course, the Expendables are trying to stop all this. They just need to get the detonator. But you know what? Marsh is too smart for that. He chucks the detonator overboard because this shit is going down for real. So they get the Expendables off. And at the last moment, Christmas has his hero sacrifice moment as he throws the thing down and cuts it off, too. He says, there's no way they're getting that grapple hook back to come on here. He throws it in and says, remember my sacrifice. I'm doing this. He goes back because he's going to turn this fucking ship around and sail it back out into international water so at least when the bomb goes off, it doesn't start an incident. So he turns the ship around in the craziest way possible, dropping anchor. Dropping yeah. anchors, releasing anchors. And the ship starts taking on water. Starts drifting a boat. Yeah, he drifted a boat. He fastened the Furious, <laughs> that motherfucker. This is straight out of Fast and Furious movie, let's be honest. And in the meantime, we set up as he kills off, before he runs out of ammo, the rest of the henchmen. And it leaves him and Marsh to have that final showdown. And uh, Andy Garcia against Jason Statham is not a fair fight. No. Not at all. Although, somehow Andy Garcia is winning this fight, cheaply, but winning. Until, guess what happens? Some missiles take out the rest of the henchmen who are trying to cheat on the behalf of Ocelot, a.k.a. Marsh. And then comes back around for him as it looks like he's going to give a kill shot. Now, Diesel, who is flying this attack helicopter? This mysterious attack helicopter that has the same shark smiley face as the Expendables plane is being flown other than none other than Barney. What? He's Barney still alive. Dead. We'll get to we'll get to what he the, the real criminal of this movie did in a minute because <laughs> that comes out at the end. But before we get there, is after they kill Marsh. Christmas gets on the on the on the helicopter. Kind of like, what? You're still alive? He's like, I'm saving your ass. A thank you is what it's usually is. <laughs> but how do you just just don't worry about it? Where is the bomb? So he tells him where the bomb is. He shoots missiles at the boat, so it sinks the boat. By the way, that boat sank quicker than it should have. Yes, no physics needed. <laughs> <laughs> and they fly away as the nuclear weapon blows up underwater, but still causes a big mess. And they just barely escape its grasp in the helicopter. And then we find, you know, we get to the back and they have a party because Barney's back alive and Gina and Christmas are together and wah, 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 happy, happy, happy. And then we find out who the real villain of this movie is because, Diesel, how did Barney fake his own death? So Barney stashed in the airplane up in the cabin Jumbo Shrimp, who was possibly drugged. And he definitely came to right before the plane crashed. <laughs> As everyone's exiting the plane and it's just him, he jumps out, but he puts Jumbo Shrimp behind the pilot's chair with the ring on. This man who technically did nothing wrong, nothing visual that we saw. He might have been the leader of a gang. We don't know. But this man was straight up murked yes. by Barney just so he could have somebody holding the ring. Pretty much. Yep. So Jumbo Shrimp, by the way, not even the same size. Mm-hmm. So about Jumbo Shrimp, though nobody noticed that Jumbo Shrimp was shorter because the funny part is when they get back to the, to the bar, because he was dead, they put the ring on the middle finger of the burnt arm of Barney and it was displayed in this biker bar. 
And so that's where Christmas goes. Whose arm is that? Yeah. And we get the story about Jumbo Shrimp meeting his demise. <laughs> and in another plot twist, too, we find out that Jason Statham being excommunicated from the Expendables was actually part of the plan because Gina was smart enough to know that he would place the tracker on that knife. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Just so bad. But they got back together, having mm. hardcore butt sex. The, the best part of this movie was in this final scene when they're all just chilling at the bar. And Gina comes in with just a wife beater on and no bra. <laughs> we salute you. Oh, we salute you. <laughs> with that being said, that is the end of the uh, our little bone structure of the movie because that's it. So now let's get into likes and dislikes. Uh, we are going to start with Ron here because he only remembers part of this movie. <laughs> Ron, give us a, at least one or two likes that you had about Expendables 4. Like you said earlier, like the, the over-the-top kills were actually good. Like you said, the CGI blood... The reason why I think it worked so well in this is because it wasn't up close. It was all, all the really uh, good, interesting kills were actually from a distance, and they were it looked really yeah. it looked really well done. Um, when we saw like the first one with the headshot, and you're like, "Oh, they're doing okay. We're doing Mortal Combat kills. Okay, yeah. I'm good. I, like, I, I'm like, okay, I can give this a little point. You know, okay, we can get there. Um, it, like, it's one of those things. It's Jason Statham doing Jason Statham things. I'm fine with it. Uh, it's what it is. Sylvester Sloan was in this movie for about 32 seconds. So it was probably for the best. Let's be honest. <laughs> like it was kind of a passing of the torch type of deal, but not really, but it was fine for what it needed to be. Um, it, you know, it's, it's just a dumb action movie. So I gotcha. Uh, diesel, some likes for Expendables four. Okay. So piggybacking on the cool kills there were some really cool kills some brutal up close kills all the dasha kills were looked amazing true and then probably everybody's favorite was when uh christmas grabs a guy from behind the stairs pulls him through and shoves the knife through his spine and throat that was pretty awesome that was straight out of a punisher comic book yes really good um the debut of dasha in this movie was great tony ja is a definitely underappreciated action megastar especially in america so seeing him on the expendables 4 was great um i did enjoy the uh, debut of 50 cent i don't he seemed a little out of place because like he doesn't have a huge action career but he i enjoyed him a lot Mm -hmm. um (sighs) the kills were cool (laughs) golden golden shower references yes there was there was, (laughs) there was some funny dialogue I was going to say Diesel was big big on the comedy. Actually, that's what I'll say for my leg. I'll start it off. The comedy in this movie was good. I'll agree with you guys. The action scenes were good. I liked the over-the-top kills because uh, it added something. And like I said, I normally hate CG blood. But because they did it in such a ridiculous fashion, it actually kind of was fun. Uh, I thought that the comedy beats hit well because there's a lot of great comedy beats in this film. A lot of great one-liners. None of them really missed, in my opinion. There's a couple that were better than others, but I don't think any of them really jumped the shark. Not jump, the, not jump the shark, but a couple of <laughs> the lines, especially by Randy Couture, fell well, very okay. flat for me. First of all, we're talking about Randy Couture here. <laughs> I mean, I, and I love Randy Couture. I love MMA. I love the UFC. One of the greatest heavyweights of all time. 
But let's be honest, Randy Couture has taken one too many. Uh, I mean, th- him telling the story about his cauliflower ears was a good, was enough. I mean, it's funny you should ask. I, you know, I wrestled while I was in college, and one of the most popular things that can happen to a wrestler in college is common affliction is cauliflower. <laughs> goes through the whole spiel. By the way, uh, the one chick that was in the movie was trying to see his piece the whole time. Yeah. When he peed, she looks around. She's just like, and then she started to really like, uh, yeah. like, like the old man. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I thought that there was a lot of good comedy and a lot of good action. I, I think that's going to be where I leave my likes. Let's let's switch gears to go to dislikes. Uh, we'll go in reverse order like we've been doing lately. Diesel, what are some of your dislikes for The Expendables 4? All right. I just mentioned it. Randy Couture. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in one, of the, in one of the final fight scenes with Randy Couture, he winds up getting gut shot. And I'm just like, hey, maybe I'll like this movie a lot more if the one Expendable who actually dies in this movie is a Randy Couture character. <laughs> and that was stripped from me. Uh, forgive it. <sighs> so that so Randy Couture was definitely the weakest link for acting by a mile. Where it was painfully so anytime that he was featured on the screen. Yes. Um so as cool as the CGI blood was, the overuse of poorly done green screens really started to take me out of the movie towards the end. Yeah, that was really weird. They, every time they did like a shot of the team, it was always in front of a green screen and you could just tell. Yeah, very poorly done. Besides that, like I'm fine with like the plot being not great and like they did take care of some continuity issues with like picking up guns and being yeah. out of ammo. But they completely disregarded physics when it came to taking on water. They completely, where the element of surprise of, you know, when they're at the chemical plant and there's a full, you know, battalion there and nobody sees trucks and tanks rolling up or attack helicopters coming up or the attack helicopter coming at the very end of the movie, like, where the hell did that come from? Yeah. (laughs) So there's a lot of stuff that was just like, I mean, to be fair, for that last scene I re- with the helicopter, you're not going to notice the helicopter when Jason Statham just pulled a Yui in a fucking in a fucking aircraft carrier. Yeah, like literally dropping uh, anchors and taking on water. Like, yeah, yeah. like you're not going to notice the fucking helicopter coming. I promise you that much. You're just going to probably be holding on for your fucking life. <laughs> and as funny as it was, the whole I know that there are a bunch of mercenaries. They're in the gray zone, but. They needed to have background on Jumbo Shrimp to make it okay to kill him. <laughs> because straight up murdering this guy who legit beat you in a thumb wrestling thing. Just saying. It's murder in the first degree. Premeditated. <laughs> drugged and kidnapped. Taken over international lines. And then left to die in a fiery plane crash. Diesel really misses Jumbo Shrimp if you had to figure it out. Ron, you got any dislikes you'd like to add? Like... For whatever reason, it was a the green screen overuse, but it was like for half of the overuse green screen was close up face headshots, mm-hmm. like ninety percent shots or team shots. So I think that was just the sections that they were like, oh, we need to do reshoots, so we have to add something, and that's what they chose to do. It made no sense. The first, like you said, the first part of the movie when they get open hot, like it's like five or six. Face shots, you know, because they didn't want to show them actually firing a gun or something. I don't know. It was just pathetically bad. The story is fucking horrible. I was going to say, there's no story. In this there's movie. like this story they tried to do, like, 
there, there's ma- massive plot twists that nobody cares about. Hey, <laughs> but, but all given, like you knew exactly the whole every twist. Uh, uh, uh. Hey, hey, at least it's not fucking a fast movie where they think it's still good. They knew this was bad. <laughs> they, they weren't focused on a story. They were just trying to get from point A to point B and have as much fun as possible. And for a little while, there it was the theory going on that. Ocelot was actually Barney. Ah, that was that was a. That, I did think that for a minute. So the, they did kind of cover up the the big reveal. They, they tried, but it was horrible. Because you knew I it even, wasn't Barney. I even thought it might be the woman because we saw Meg too, and remember it was it ended up being yeah. the wife there. Yeah, I thought this was the same case because when they call her up, I'm like, oh shit, yeah, she's the, the fucking villain. Like, yeah, well, the, 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 the call of Gina going, uh, or or she, and I'm like, well, maybe it's her. No, I wasn't even talking about, like, Gina. Remember the, the, the lady? Old, that was yeah, the yeah, older yeah, lady? yeah, yeah. I was talking about her because yeah, yeah. it was after Gina said it could be a her. Yeah. And then she's all of a sudden on the fucking phone. I'm like, oh, man, that's fucking yeah. Kylie. So, like, they, they did a little bit of red herring work. I mean, it was real easy to figure out it was Marsh, but it was there was a little red herring work. A little I, bit. And I'm not familiar with the Expendables franchise, but this was, I think, the debut of Ocelot. Yes. 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 Yeah, it never came up before. So this massive, like reason for Barney to fake his own death so files could get unclassified came out of nowhere. If they would have... I think I think you're overthinking this. Well, no, no. If they would have, like, introduced well, the idea of Ocelot in, like, Expendables 2, I think it would have been a lot better. Ready for this? The person who wrote this story wrote Moonfall. <laughs> you, I answered your question. <laughs> well, that's, like, that's, that's the other thing. Like, like, how did he, like, how did he know that he was going to get shot down? How did he know I mean, he needed a body? No, I want to no, put no, this no. out. No, no. He he ended up getting shot, but he he jumped. If you watch that replay, he jumps out of the plane before that he gets shot out of the sky. It was when he first took the damage. He was jumping out of that plane regardless. Yeah, yeah no, he was planning he on setting up his he, death. He brought Jumbo Shrimp there to set up his death yeah. regardless. Even if they didn't shoot him out of the sky, he the plane would have still crashed. Yeah. So he was proud. He was trying to make it look like he was shot out of the sky because yeah. if you think about it, as soon as they hit him the first time, where he's still flying the plane. Is when they go back to the replay. Is when he goes and grabs Jumbo Shrimp, throw ties him into the the seat because he wakes up while he's tied him into the seat, and then he goes and fucks off and jumps out the back of the yeah. plane. So it's long before Ramat shoots and fucking the, the missile launcher shoot him out of the sky. Jumbo Shrimp had been flying that plane or sitting in the pilot seat for a good five minutes before that happened. Because <laughs> yeah. remember, yeah. remember, it remember, was a sniper rifle, by the way. Yeah, but re, well, it was probably a fifty cal. If you hit the right spot, it would do that. Yeah, uh, still. I, I'll give him credit, but. I will say this. Remember when they were like, what the hell is Barney doing flying like that? He was already out of the fucking plane. Yeah. No, that, that was premeditated. He knew he was going <laughs> to abandon that ship. He knew to bring Jumbo Shrimp with him so he could Jumbo die. Jumbo Shrimp was just like this on the steering wheel because he had to hold the steering wheel. So he, But he didn't know how to fly a plane. Yeah. So basically speaking, when he was doing that weird maneuvers, and they're like, what the fuck is Barney doing? Remember in the flying scene? He, Jumbo Shrimp was already tied to the chair at that point. Yeah, With it was the over. ring on his hand. Yeah, it was over. It was premeditated murder to get back <laughs> at Jumbo Shrimp. Jumbo <laughs> Shrimp is the real hero of this film, and the real villain is Barney. I you agree. But yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Like, they could have done some backstory, but they didn't. But once again, I don't think they were worried about that. I, giving them a little bit of credit, they, I know they know these movies are schlacky. They do them on purpose. There's a lot of shit in the movie that they obviously leave in on purpose and stuff like that. So I'll give them slight credit. But I, I think you guys just hit all of the negatives on I on got him. one more negative. Oh, no. He's got another Ooh. one. Even. So I'm only referring to the characters Barney and Christmas as the character names. Everybody else is by their actual names. Dolph Lundgren. Sober. <laughs> can't shoot. 
But once we get to the final act, he's he's got the flask and he throws it all away. And all of a sudden, before that shit can even touch his liver and get distributed through his body, <laughs> he is back to a goddamn listen, marksman. Listen, that was his spinach. He was popping. Was just, he just needed the thought. He yeah. just needed the thought. You know what I really wish they would have done in this movie? I wish they would have brought back uh, the the legendary some of the legendary characters from the former films because I really feel like that would have helped this out. Yeah. Chuck Norris in particular, when they got in that trouble. At the end, like, and they need to save Kator, Chuck Norris should have just appeared like he did in the one, and he just <laughs> killed off a bunch of guys, and, and then they could have airlifted him out or whatever. Dude, it should have just been Chuck Norris laying on top of the water, sniping sniping everybody. No, he, <laughs> he, he, he's just in a ghillie suit, and he just appears out of nowhere. He was just like, where have you he guys just, been? I've been he's waiting. Just, he's just walking on water. He just walks across the ocean. And he's just like, you know, he tells, like, a joke. That, that was one of my favorite parts of when he was in. <laughs> yeah. I think it was Expendables, too. Anyways, yeah, yeah. Is that it? Do you have anything else you want to throw on there? Just the last thing. I w- I, that was what you said last time. <laughs> <laughs> I wish they were honest with the audience and would just admit that Christmas and Barney were lovers. Well, I mean, we already can draw that conclusion, so I think that's fine. Nice. Okay, because... And that's why probably Gina was upset, because he went to be with his, his love, and she wanted to be the love. Yep, and Barney and... Cleveland, their or Christmas, their their relationship was not a mercenary, right hand man. It was fucking lovers. It was a true Top Gun moment. Yes, <laughs> they were Maverick and Iceman. That's all you needed to know. Uh, yeah, I, 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 it's fine. I'm fine with that. I wish that they would go in there. Yes. Maybe that's the next movie. Uh, it would make a, a a much better franchise. Gina, Gina becomes Gina's the villain next movie because she's trying to keep their love apart. <laughs> I'm all for it. Write that movie. And although, although unfortunately, the, it's going to have to make a little bit more than 8.3 million for that to happen. So with that, I think that brings us to the end of the likes and dislikes. And now that we've gotten through there, before we can give our scores, we have to find out what some of the scores from around the internet are, and you know how we like to do that. Time to play the game. Time to play the game! <laughs> That's right, it's time to play the game. The game is played simple. We're going to take scores from there on the internet, and the two gentlemen here are going to try to guess the number closest without going over, better known as Price's Right Rules, of course, unless there's a tiebreaker. And in that case, that final question is going to be closest to the number because we don't do fucking ties. Also, if that number has to be worth two points or whatever to make it interesting, I make up the rules, so it just works out that way. Of course, Ron is your reigning champion. Two weeks in a row now, by the way. Can Diesel take the crown today? We're going to find out. Gentlemen, are you ready to play the game? You can have this one. <laughs> well, Diesel, you get to go first. IMDB, out of 10 using points. What did they give Expendables for? In my head, it's shouting out 4.4. 4.4, Ronald. Oh, Ooh, that's a good one. 4.6. 4. 4.4, 4. 4.6, and Ron gets the point for being a dick. 5.2 out of 10. Oh, was Jesus. We're, we're, we're right, right okay. in there. All right, next up is going to be Metacritic. Out of 100%, remember this is critics only, what did they give Expendables for Ron? 34. Diesel. One. One dollar, Bob. I didn't know how low to go to get you not to go. One dollar, Bob. And Diesel gets the point. 30% on Medicare. Okay. 30%. Next up is the Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> critic score. Diesel, you're going first on this one. Out of 100%, what did the critics on Rotten Tomatoes give Expendables for? 32. Ron. Ooh, I like 32. I like 32 a lot. 
34. Okay. 32, 34, and... Okay. 15%. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> 15%. All right, that means we are tied one and one. And Ron gets to go first on this. This is the Rotten Tomatoes fan score. Out of 100%, what did Rotten Tomatoes fans give Expendables for? 52. Diesel. <laughs> Go one. You're, 54. Uh, yeah. I'm giving you the same wiggle. Right? 52, 54, and it pays off for Diesel 70%. What? 70% Ooh, of fans. The fans Listen, loved you, it. You want to know why? Because it's entertaining. We already said that. Fans may be entertained. The million people that went to go see it. Kind of, like, they were the people that were going to see it no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that brings us down to the Google users. It's going to come up to it, so it is worth two points. So Ron has a chance to win, making it spicy. Diesel, you have to go first because you're the challenger. Remember, it's closest to the number. Out of 100%, what did Google users give Expendables for? 87. Ron. 86. Okay, okay. 87, 86, and we know we have a winner because we have no choice but to have a winner. What? Come on. This doesn't even want to let you win. Your winner, and still champion, Ron, 84%. Oh, oh wow. That was a lot closer than I thought it would yeah. be. So Ron uh, squeaks it out on that two-point advantage there. He is still your champion. But now that we found out what the scores from around the internet are, it's finally time for us to give our scores for Expendables 4. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. So we are going to give our nerd score followed by my uh, my critic score. And of course, the nerd score is a recommendation score, which we use our critic score mixed with an entertainment score, which means the movie could actually not be so good critically, but if it's entertaining, it could raise the score a little bit. And the scale is as follows. It's five parts and five parts alone. And a one is no. That means it's a terrible movie and you should never watch it. A two is you've been warned. That means it's not quite terrible, but it's also not good. So you've been warned not to watch it. A three is ah, it's good. These are like average movies. They give you a little bit of entertainment. The real caveat here is you don't regret seeing it that time, but you're probably never going to watch it again. Uh, you're not going to add to your collection. It's, it's just going to be one of those things. You don't have to rush out and see it in a theater or spend money on it. But if you see it, you're going to be entertained enough to be like, okay, it was fine. A four is just take my money. These are the very good two great movies. These are movies where you can go out and spend money on them. Go to the movie theater and see it. Buy it on Blu-ray. If you see the movie, you're going to probably watch it in the theater and you might see it after it comes out on Blu-ray or on the streaming services. Or you might, you know, see it multiple times. It, depending upon how much you liked it, there's a lot of wiggle room, but definitely it was a very good movie. And last but not least is the certi- is is the rarefied air that is known as Certified Nerd. These are the creme de la creme. They are the legendary films. These are movies like Jaws and Jurassic Park, which are just great movies that everybody can agree on. These are the movies that not only are going to pay to see them in the theater when they come out, you might pay to see them when they're re-released to theaters. You might buy a special editions of them and anniversary Blu-rays of them and add them to your collection. They're definitely going to be in your rotation because they're the best of the best. Gentlemen, it is now time to give the scores. As always, we are going to start with Ron. Ron, first of all, give your nerd score and why for Expendables 4. Two. You're giving it a two. Ooh, I've been warned. I, like I said, I completely forgot I watched this movie by Sunday. Um, it's like I, I get that it's supposed to be a more a fun movie actually like i said what gives it a two is the deaths were over the top it was good the introduction of uh the new character uh it was fine i i get it i understand but overall it's 
you don't have to catch it in theaters. Nobody else is, obviously. <laughs> if you're a fan of the series, like Tone is, I guess you just wait until you can watch them all back to back to back. I don't know what else to say about it. All right, Diesel, you are now up. What is your nerd score for Expendables 4 and why? This might shock people, but we are at a three. It's good. It's good. It's good. The movie is not good, but I believe this this benefits from the moonfall effect. The talks that you can have with your friends afterwards about this movie (laughs) is worth it because we get the huge reveal at the end that Barney straight up murked an innocent man. <laughs> the kills were cool, and you have the follow-up discussions about, dude, Barney is a dick. Yeah, he is. And Jumbo Shrimp did not deserve what happened to Jumbo Shrimp. I think this movie was a lot more fun than I expected. The kills were brutal and great. It has its massive flaws, but I still was entertained by this movie. Okay. Well, now when it's up to me, I'm going to say this. I'm just going to go ahead and say the number I picked, because... Is because this is the pure definition of how we define this number for this movie. And I am, like with Diesel, giving it a three. It's good. It's good. It's good. And the reason why I'm giving it a three is because the definition of it. I didn't regret seeing it. I was highly entertained. But I'll never watch it again. Yeah. I've seen it one time. <laughs> I never need to see it again. I wouldn't recommend you go out and see it in the theaters, even though it's not making money. But when it hits the streaming service, whichever one it does, or you know, you can catch it on, you know, you know, Amazon Prime if it's a, a cheap rent and you need to see just a fun movie for the night. I wouldn't spend more than a dollar ninety nine on it <laughs> at max. And I'm not talking about the service. Uh, Megan Fox nipples. I'd go three ninety nine. Oh, so you go the, the cheap the cheap rental on Man, Prime. She had I got way like too it. much makeup on in this movie. Well, she has to hide a lot of stuff these days. She's getting older, though. She's a, she's an older gal now. She's not she's not the one you remember from when you were first watching Transformers, Ryan. It's that that was like Criminals. over twenty years ago. Criminals, criminals <laughs> so, are hot. So, anyways, uh, yeah. So I, I really just thought that this was like the definition of a. It was just a fun movie. Never need to see it again. But I don't regret seeing it. I thought it was fun. It's not great. It's not gonna. It's nothing I'll ever watch again. Put it that way. But I think I feel that way about most of the Expendable movies, anyways. I don't think I've really. Re- I think except for Expendables three, I've never really regretted one. So everyone is just kind of like, eh, it's there. I enjoyed seeing it the first time, and we're done. Because at least I get the point of the movie is just to be slacky. Uh, my critic score for that, is, you know what? I, I gave it a little bump because of some of the things. Like I did like certain things in this movie, but my bump only brought it up to a four and a half out of five. It is a substandard movie. In reality, it's probably closer to like a 3.75 or a four, but we gave it a couple extra points because I thought the over the top kills were fun and I did like some of the joke, like a lot of the jokes of the film. So I will give it that. And of course, you know, justice for Jumbo Shrimp gave it like at least a 0.25. <laughs> we have to get that going. Hashtag justice for Jumbo Shrimp. Uh, so there you go. So my overall score, four and a half out of five. So subpar there. But I did give it a three. Ron gave it a two. Diesel gave it a three. So if you make the mean average, two out of three uh, at the three. So we're just telling you it's not something that you need to go spend money on. So don't worry about going to see it in the theater unless you really want that sequel that we were pitching earlier on. <laughs> With that being said, if you would like to give us your score for the movie or uh, just uh, throw in any conversation at all, go look up our links, whether they're private, whether it's our email link, whether it's any of our social medias and all that happy jazz, you can find it at 3fnpodcast.com. Ronald, I do believe you have some business to attend to before we get out of here. Four out of ten stars. When will Hollywood learn? 
The movie pretty much ruined the good feelings I got from the books. The first three quarters of the Harry Potter was well-acted, well-directed, and well-special effects. The remaining fourth took a nosedive into a cheap Hollywood gimmick and cheesy computer effects. The centaur, only one in the movie, looked as unreal and laughable as did the final with the two-faced professor. Overall, long, empty, disappointing. Four out of ten stars. Harry Potter just sucks, people. That's right. Uh, Diesel, got anything wrong with this guy's uh, assessment this week? You mean before you get into all the wizardry battles, there's not as much CGI? Holy (laughs) shit, color me shocked. (laughs) (laughs) But that's, that's a good four out of ten. Well... For, uh, I don't know, because the first three out of the four acts, apparently, was good. They enjoyed the acting. They enjoyed the effects. It's just that final act, a goddamn centaur they can't make look real. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that is going to do it for this week's edition of the 3FN Podcast. We will be back next week, where the 3FN Movie Club review will be Saw X. Until then, for me and the guys, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and most importantly, later, nerds! Later. Hashtag justice for Jumbo Shrimp. Harry Potter just sucks, people. (laughs)